Hi, and welcome to The Theology Box, a podcast dedicated to seeing how God fits into the world we live in. We hope you enjoy your time with us today, where theology is the conversation. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for The Theology Box. And today we have a special treat. We have... We have Mark Miller in the house. Mark Miller's back in the... Oh, Oh, oh yeah. Whoa, yeah, here we go. Long time. 2020 coming your way. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, I'm really glad to be here, Will. It's a fresh new year, and uh, we're just looking at that horizon and wondering what's coming next. Nice. So, um, So what have you been up to recently? There's what been, has kept you away from <laughs> these these mic'd up moments? That is a great question, Will. Well, on one hand, there has been a melange of writing projects uh, going on. Um, some of it with uh, some pastors from my church in Pasadena. Uh, others, just some freelance opportunities. Um, yeah, the past like month or so, um, it's kind of been more emphasis on like translation with Spanish, which has been a, a pretty enjoyable, um, you know, just getting to put more, more hours into translation as opposed to just like editing in, in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been, it's been fun. I'm, uh, you know, working with this, this business guy from LA who has like a series of like manuals for, you know, topics ranging from like how to basically start out as an entrepreneur and like, you know, avoid these pitfalls, uh, or like what to look out for in marketing. Um, but it's a great opportunity to like familiarize myself with like, I guess more specific areas of the Spanish language mm. as I'm like, you know, getting into, cause like, I haven't really, I've never like done business in like Spanish with somebody. Side yeah, yeah. Language. Yeah. Um, so some of it is like specific jargon, but otherwise it's just like using it in a, a variety of like different contexts that, uh, I feel like unless if you experience it for yourself, like firsthand, you need you like you need uh, an opportunity to use like the specific terms or like to use your mind in that way. Right. Like yeah. I, um, you know, I know Spanish a little bit and I can get yeah. around and have a decent conversation. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, working at the Census Bureau. Yeah. Oh, and which is what I've been doing. I don't know if I've announced it on the show. Maybe I did or not. Okay. But um sometimes we have to call people and they only speak Spanish. Okay. And I'm like, uh, I don't know Spanish in this area. Okay. You know, like how do you say census? Okay. Do you know how to say um, census? I not like it's, it's probably like senso or census, but I, but I don't know. Like it's, I wouldn't. It's, it's senso. Okay. Senso. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, well I had no, no clue, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so it's just been kind of like, so I wrote like a script on, I did a little translation myself, which uh-huh. was actually heavily edited by the people who really okay. do speak Spanish yeah, in my yeah. office. And so, do you have so, it? You have it on hand to like help if yes. you, if you encounter one of yeah, those situations. Yeah, okay. and, yeah, you know, so it's it's cool. I, I love that feeling of learning something new. So so I okay. I can uh, appreciate that with you. Nice, nice. What what um what else? Um. Well, yeah. At the start of the year, I launched my first book, Uh-oh. which. I think we like kind of hinted at a few months ago. Yeah. And I think we, um, we definitely let or, on that there was a, a project going on. Yeah. 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 So Scotty go and other small tales, 
<laughs> That's the official title. It, yeah, is the title of it. Um, yeah, just a, a fun like self-publishing venture. Uh, my first like official, you know, project in that in that mm-hmm. vein. Um, yeah, it's five short stories and all of it kind of geared toward like a younger audience. Uh, stories with like kids and animals and adventures. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. I, and and then the uh, there it's a. It's a book for young adults and or children. Yeah. And um, there's like pictures and things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our mutual friend, uh, Phoebe Sugo, did the illustrations and she just she did an excellent job at like capturing the, the I think just the essence of the stories like the I think the, the like the whimsical feel of it like the for the I don't know, just like the the, the kids, the spirit of being a kid. I think is uh, captured in the in the illustrations really well. That's awesome. But uh, you're not printing on Amazon, right? You're using a different uh, book publishing service, right? It's it's called Blurb. So if you go to blurb.com and then type in Scotty Go and other small tales, uh, you'll find it there. Okay. Which yeah, they they actually give you. It's a great uh, resource for you know whether you're like a startup business, you could like print a monthly magazine through them. Or you could do what I did and like and publish a, a softbound book, or a, you know they have like hardbound copies that you could do as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think of like a lot of like professional photographers use them to like you know create uh, like a book of their photography and all that. Oh, okay. Uh, so. Yeah, because the copy that I have, it's much better. You know, uh, <laughs> the, I, we're not advertising for Blurb, um, right? Right, and I have some stuff on Kindle, okay, uh, poetry and stuff with uh-huh, yeah. with uh, my art in it, uh-huh. and the quality is. Um, if you could see my head, it's <laughs> shaking side to side. Right, yeah. It's just you know, it's 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 not that great. Um, but the one that you have, it's like it's a glossy, yeah, the, cover mm-hmm. and the the colors are actually really good. Yeah, I um, I was pleased. Um, like I got, I ordered a bunch of copies, you know, to, you know, distribute locally and all that. I did notice like some, some small discrepancies, like over, like looking through, you know, like this batch versus the other, uh, overall I would give them like an A or an A minus in terms of like, like, you know, in terms of perfection goes, uh, yes. So, um, last week we had, um, I had Dr. Ali Motor on the show, and then the week okay. before that, I had Pastor Dale Winslow, and then the week before that, yeah. who did I have? Dale or Jared Deal? Yeah. Who is uh, not necessarily a? He's not a healthcare professional, but he okay. is. He's um. We talked about mental health, and oh. so the the with with you being more busy and me, you know, trying to figure out the direction of the show uh uh-huh. it's become more interview based and we uh-huh right right yeah so we talked about that a little bit before the show started because normally yeah. we would just kind of go on uh for yeah. 20 more minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> whatever comes next yeah but uh mm-hmm. since i know there might be a whole 10 people listening now <laughs> rather than the two or three okay uh <laughs> which slow is, and steady wins wow, the race guys 500 percent increase <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, those are the numbers we're talking a about matter of a year yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah so this is definitely the most lively and fun show of, <laughs> uh, of the season so far great 
but we also uh, <laughs> need to respect that uh, that expectation. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, language today, which is something that Mark has studied yes. extensively. And Languages. somehow, I believe, Mark is going to relate it to some theological point of interest. Mm. Okay. Which may or may not happen, but I'm I'm actually I'm pretty ta- sure it is. Yeah, I'm telling him this now. Uh-huh. Which I, I, I know he knows is the pretext. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I, I don't think we explicitly said that yeah. up front. So yeah. um so go ahead and tell us a, um, a little bit about some of the books that you've enjoyed reading, which which when I say some of the books that Mark has enjoyed reading uh-huh. so Mark is like the summa cum laude <laughs> guy and uh-huh. he uh you know, he reads things that people research just because he enjoys reading and discovering so take it away Mark. okay yeah i think the the process of discovering something that you love like the process of discovery is so enriching that it's like everyone regardless of what you enjoy or love like i think just digging into that topic is like the joy Mm -hmm. and of course as you find like nuggets of gold and wisdom that those are you know valuable and all that but i think the process of discovering is also valuable so one of the things that i was digging into uh was a book called babel around the world in 20 languages by gaston doran who is a dutch fellow who uh who knows um it says he reads nine languages and he speaks probably about six or seven um yeah, the book is a really fun read. Um, like basically, whether or not you know another language, or if you know anything about like linguistics or anything like technical speaking, um, the book is like extremely accessible. Hmm. You know, it, like I would, com- you know, compared to other books I've read touching on language in one way or another, this book is probably the most just like user reader friendly. Um, because what he what I what he does throughout it like so he takes you from, uh, so he takes you through the the most like spoken languages in the world so the the tw- the top twenty languages with the most uh, people speaking them so Vietnamese with eighty five million is number twenty and then English with one point two billion uh, you know closely followed by Mandarin at one point three uh, but what he does throughout each chapter is he'll he'll give you like some characteristics of the language, but he does it primarily through like storytelling and like narrating. These are the type of people who speak it, like whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's a language that's spoken in like one nation or whether it's a language that's like fairly, you know, widespread throughout the world. Um, so, you know, oftentimes what you're doing is you're absorbing information about a particular language, you know, some of, some of which, you may or may not be familiar with at all. Um, like before this, I, you know, I, I'd seen, uh, that such a language as Javanese exists, Mm. which, uh, 95 million in the world speak Javanese, uh, more than Turkish, more than Korean, more more than Vietnamese, which, you know, um, so yeah, just like getting, getting familiar with some of these languages that like getting to know, the more about the history of the people who've spoken these languages. Um, the one, yeah, like one of the chapters was on Persian or Farsi, which like was more heavily, 
you know, looking at the trajectory, like through history of how the language has, you know, like been used or changed over time. But, uh, but yeah, but there's, there's a lot of just like really fun pieces of information in here that I think would be genuinely interesting to anybody. Uh, And you said there was another book that was similar, but like from a different approach. Right. Um, so I recently kind of skimmed through a book that I read, uh, I want to say like two years ago or so. Um, it's called Empires of the Word, A Language History of the World by Nicholas Osler, uh, who is a uh, British uh, gentleman. I was going to say folk. <laughs> <laughs> Singular of folks. <laughs> Anyways, um, he has a working knowledge of 26 languages. Um and has uh, done uh, different things in like Oxford. Um, But anyways, uh, so this book, Empires of the Word, is a more like academic and systematic look at like from the, basically from the earliest traces of written languages, uh, which like once again, covering maybe some territory you've heard about before of like, let's say like Latin or like Phoenician, but then, you know, going all over the world uh you know to the the indian continent with you know like the er- the early languages that were spoken there and like you know looking at the course of like San- sanskrit over time um so like while while this book is much more like technical and in a lot of ways like more dry it is still um a, like a fascinating view of like you know l- like he takes he takes you through basically like what were the languages that like preceded the birth of English and something that was like really refreshing. I was, I was skimming through it again was like basically like what he does a lot in this book is he compares the trajectory of large like languages or language families throughout history and says like, okay, like let's say, so he, he he compares uh, Chinese with Egyptian in the, in terms of how they, either change or didn't change and like the geography that they inhabited uh as opposed to like you know other languages let's say like latin which like tended to spread more but also then like diverge or like fork into into you know different like uh daughter languages over time whereas like i think if as if if i remember correctly that his point was like both egyptian and chinese basically stayed within relatively the same area like through most of their time Hmm. um and but that they like withstood invasion with a different quality Hmm. as opposed to other languages um like in europe the the germanic tongues like whether or not so like sometimes sometimes the germanic peoples were like conquering land but their culture tended to then like adopt the language of the people that they conquered, mm. you know? Yeah. So it's fascinating to, it's fascinating to see how certain language, like it's not just a language spreads through conquest. Yes, that does happen. You know, like let's say with Spanish or like Portuguese and like the places that when they were like South America. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, um, and even with the Philippines. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not like a hard rule that, like, like basically there are a lot more factors that go into a language both spreading, but also then like becoming a permanent, like part of that, you know, part of the world where it was like spread to. Right. Um, and that the English trajectory 
basically like defies a lot of like, uh, I don't know, I guess defies a lot of expectations. Like, yes, it, 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 uh, kind of went along the line of like, you know, it spread through, you know, the conquest or yeah. Yeah. Conquest or the settlers. Colonialism. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, Colonialism. Colonial expansion. Yeah. Uh, but like, especially before then there were like several points in time where it like defied the expectation um, you know, or like basically when uh, kind of a, a fun part of history, like when the, like the Vikings and like the early, the early uh, like angles, the Saxons yeah, and, and Anglo Saxons. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, when they, which like there were different names for like some historians call them like Jews or maybe Frisians or like, but anyways, when, when those, when those people were first going to, uh, you know the Eng- the England island uh the people who were there beforehand like over a, a relative I, I guess i would say relatively short period of time like they all eventually just like died out mm. or like succumbed to the people who were then settling there the parts of english's trajectory at that point in time that defied the rule was that because these were like um speakers of i think what was a low a low germanic like tongue or like you know part of that family um as i mentioned a few minutes ago most in most cases the germanic peoples ended up yes conquering territory but then absorbing the the language of the people that they had just conquered Mm -hmm. so basically the the only other time where a germanic like tongue stayed in the place where like they had conquered the land was I believe in Iceland where there was literally no people uh, there to either to conquer or to like have their language be the one that was spoken, mm. um, which there's like different, different like authors or, you know, historians have commented that it could very well be that like uh, similar to what happened in, in North America later in time is that like there could have just been like an, ep- an epidemic of sorts that literally just like wiped out the, or most of the existing population in, in England, like on, you know, in the, in that Island, uh, basically like allowing for the, the Germanic peoples to like, just inhabit, basically like gradually inhabit it and then have their language stay. Um, as opposed to like, you know, other areas of Europe where, yeah, really just in most cases, the Germanic peoples didn't like assert their language or impose it but rather like adopted the mm. another one, you know? Uh, so English itself has a, an unlikely history of, of like being, uh, you know, what is now like a very desirable element, you know, across the world of, I think the, I think the fact that like pretty much any country like wants to learn English for various purposes, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, and, and yeah, it's main competition is Mandarin. You know, mm-hmm. like for business. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would love to learn Mandarin because mm-hmm. it would just open up a lot of doors for me. Like even in the office, yeah. you know, there's okay four Mandarin speakers. So oh, cool. It would be nice to, you know, uh, two of them are supervisors. Um, but uh, you know, as you're talking, because uh, yeah, we do, we do have the desire and the theology box. Of to course, be theological. Um, I think when we when you mentioned uh, that you were gonna 
give a little history from the books. I the first thing the first thing I thought of was the uh, Tower of Babel, but yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Instead, <laughs> oh, okay. um, uh-huh. I was thinking like the second thing that I thought of was uh-huh. uh, Revelation, yeah, uh, seven nine. And so what? I think I know. You know where this is going? I think where's yeah, but yeah, go. Well, and I'll tell you if it is where I thought it was going. Well, let me let me tell you. Okay. That the locusts had heads like no. I'm oh my kidding. god. <laughs> that's, Go, that's, that's a good. One. That's the verse. Okay, no, maybe I'll cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> that was even okay. as funny as I think it is. I, I liked it. Um Yeah, so um if anyone notices any difference in the audio quality, it's because we had to change microphones and uh now we're both using we each had our own microphone and then the one I bought on clearance uh, showed me exactly why it was on clearance and uh, broke. So we're now sharing a mic. Mark and I are now sharing a microphone. And I was going to talk about the book of Revelation. And I still am. Revelation 7 9. And, and maybe that's why, right? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, sorry. Um, is that. There's a section that says that after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So this is John in a vision seeing this multitude of people and languages and, um, cultures customs nations you know having a moment where they're uh all in front of god and um i think the next verse is like they start praising god yeah. right so i think it's really an, an intense scene and a depiction but um it's also kind of interesting that like it's it's kind of you know like this kind of like theological speculation is hard to find the application for but i think it lies somewhere in that um you have uh, this all these different people and you know have you read and were telling us about how like the languages like developed and and changed and adopted mm-hmm. certain words and and in in other instances like conquered and forced certain words to be in different cultures but here you know in this heavenly way it's it's all people with every every type of nation and every type of tongue uh, or language you could say like all with this unison of heart that are working together to like honor god for the good things because that like the good things that god does it's universal and it's beyond um what any one culture can identify or describe in their, whether it be in English or Mandarin or um, or anything. So I, I don't know. Uh, what are, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think the fact that we see in life there are so many, there's so many rich textures in the colors we see. There's so many rich textures in the languages that people speak, and uh, you know so much. In, in like in the same light like the cultures that different people represent i think it's uh beautiful and 
just like awe-inspiring to see that um, every people group and every type of person is meant to stand before God uh, and worship him and, you know, rec- recognize him as the source of life and as the, um, the yeah, I, I think the reason why there is so much um, beautiful diversity in the world. Um, yeah, I, I think just like that being a call to every nation and to every type of people uh, that there's hope and that there's life in him is like, the core or like one of the core, like, or like underlying themes throughout all of scripture, you know, even as early as Abraham, uh, you know, the Lord saying that through you, all the, uh, nations of the earth will be blessed. That, that, that just, just that while he was chosen to have, (laughs) while he was chosen to have uh, a son who would then, you know, the descendants would be as, as, you know, as many as the stars in the heavens, you know, even though it was a specific nation that God was choosing at that point in time, that it was unto everybody. It was like for everybody that that was the, the plan all along. Uh, yeah. This is not what we were going to talk about originally. Um, but, I, but you bring up an interesting point and it's in the worship of God. Now there was a, a gentleman that I work with and he was talking about this idea of worshiping God, how God creates these. He's, he's not a Christian, right? So he's like asking like, well, I think that God is, um, it's like what <laughs> a narcissist or like an egomaniac or something because, you know, he creates these things and then controls their lives. So that way they worship him. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Mm-hmm. God the way that I do. Right, right. But uh, there is a dynamic of like God wants you to to love him. Mm-hmm. And I think he does so much um that the r- like the right response is worship. Mm-hmm. Um because like we as people, we worship things on the fly mm-hmm. daily that don't are not worthy of it. You know, like if it's LeBron James or if it's um, I'm thinking of old old pop stars that are going to show my age. So I won't mention them, mm-hmm. but um, pop stars in general. Uh, man, I really am out of that loop. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I think that, you know, he has a valid point. Like, how do you make that attractive to people that like this idea of um a God who creates people and, and and then how do you break through the understanding of a person that says, Hey, you know, like God is like manipulating the system The when you fail, that's God's doing. And he's trying to just crush you into worshiping him, you know? And it's like, well, that's ouch. You know, that's like, that's a heavy thing to say. And I don't know how to, respond to that except for to say like that's not how i understand god but i'd also be lying if i didn't have moments in my life where it's like that's exactly how i think of god i think overall um i know that's not true um but there are dark seasons so um i do want to get to where you were leading Mm -hmm. um which is the diversity of it all Mm -hmm. um especially because um part of um this episode we've um which 
it may not have seemed like it because it was more about language. We are also trying to do our small part to celebrate black history. Um, and I know that's where you're heading. So I know I just sidetracked it pretty hard over to the left. And maybe you wanted to intro introduce that thought, but I do want—I wanted to let you know that I—I I, I still wanted to go there. But um, yeah, what do you—what do you think about that? Well, I think the pieces are coming together quite uh, nicely, Will, <laughs> because yeah, some of the—you know—you mentioning uh, what what was your coworker, yeah. or yeah, um, my response to that I think can merge with what I was eventually going to talk about anyway. Um, but I, I, I think, um, like the, the overall like perspective that you articulated, it, you know, the way that I see it is just like, an, it, it's as if you would isolate the idea of like a, a God who demands worship, you know, if that, if we can kind of put it in a nutshell as that, um, when you like, I guess when you're when your eyes are open to see uh, uh, the larger picture of how good God is and him not only as like the creator of everything and everything good, but like the type, the, the amount of like, yeah, there's just so many levels of how, he, how accepting his redemption and like the types of like the healing that comes to your life when that happens. Like, our God is the creator of LeBron James, right? So, like, wouldn't he be worthy of more worship than the, you know, I, I don't know who LeBron, I've never met LeBron, I've never talked to, I've never been even near a celebrity, or, well, I guess, I, but the the point is that, you know, I'm not trying to diss LeBron, he's amazing, but, you know, shouldn't God get a little more ad adoration than that? That's, that's my question. Yeah, 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 so, like, uh you know, we read that every every good and every perfect gift comes from from above, from the Father of Lights, um, and so like really, I mean, like it, it, at least in like a pure sense of like the description, every good thing that you like is like a re a reflection or like a shadow of God's goodness that you know He created for for you to enjoy, um, but specifically with like the when you're when you're placed in relationship with him, I think just the the way that your life can be completely transformed in, in terms of like the things that used to like be like burdens in your heart and in your mind, the type of transformation that can come to your life when you're in relationship with God. Uh, there's so much redemption. There's so much healing from like past wounds and like hurts uh, that that I guess the worship in response to that feels so right and is so like worth it because it's like it's recognizing the beauty and the love that was extended to you. So it's in response to that as opposed to just like a cold uh, demand for like, you know, right. obedience or, or servitude, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, just like <laughs> it's like going from a black and white image to like a full color, uh, you know, tapestry, if you will. Um, cause when you can see it in color, then you're seeing like the beauty and, and the nuances, like, even though I can, I can say that there's really beautiful, like black and white images out there, you know, uh, 
<laughs> there's even how much more can you see like the details and the you know just the uniqueness of a of a sunrise or of like a family portrait when you get to see it in color you know i think that's a really uh you know a comparable you know thing going on so all of that really brings us back around. I actually, you said something. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying about how the the black and white picture, this two toned image of like, uh, you can label it however you want, you know, because um, clearly we're not talking about like a photograph and the color of it. We're talking about diversity in life, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking like us versus them kind of culture, and um, to a colorful tapestry and I think the world today has a greater understanding of that just how dynamic that variation is in life and culture and in um, but even 60 years ago right here in the United States it was much different right and there were many people um, you know fighting to open the eyes of the majority you know, the, or at least the dominant players in the the schema of political power, right? So throughout a th- history, and certainly the history of the United States, the dynamics of power and um, have it's it's really it hasn't been fast. Well, maybe because America is still considered a young nation, it has been fast, but like. It takes a lot of effort for those for the powerless and the oppressed to rise above the the oppression. Uh, it happened with um, you know, although the effect of colonialization colonization on the United States from European people fleeing for whatever reason from Europe, then there are several. Uh, the one that we're taught in school is like, you know, the religious persecution. And yes, that's true in some places. It's also true that there was trade and there's, uh, you know, there's other reasons, right? Um, but so there's that, you know, they were trying to be freed from oppression. And then a whole system of oppression came down uh, through the uh, the East, what is it, East? Well, it was through the European trade that expanded down into south south from Europe into the African continent and uh, the development of the slave trade from there. And then they, they you know, they would bring people um, from Africa to the United States and also to Europe to, you know, trade people, people's lives to become servants. And the idea of slavery wasn't new, but the idea of... Uh, oppressing people based on racial bias so that they it was that they were like less than human because of you know the color of their skin really took a stronger hold it seems to me Uh, and and i'm not a perfect historian but i know that like slavery um you know in like the greek and roman system and the servants beforehand yeah you know if you're a foreigner or you're from outside then you you weren't part of the in-group and that's bad but it wasn't just because like hey you're you're white or black it was like because you're not us mm-hmm. more so than not skin toned like us mm-hmm. so this you know this develops into a whole system of like injustice and slavery and oppression 
and that's nothing to say of like the um the i don't know i you can say oppression of well yeah i will say oppression uh, of women and and the roles that they had to serve and um in society so you have lots of differing power dynamics right and voices that aren't heard in society and i i think th- the reason why i mentioned women in that whole group is because yeah okay white wom- women definitely enjoyed more privilege than black women definitely right um but if you put it all together like the like black women have been <laughs> some of the most abused uh mistreated and unheard voices in the whole story right and um i think it's important that we notice that as we head towards to kind of the real topic of transition is the the life of martin luther king because we both you know studied him recently for a small project and it's timely to to discuss a little bit about the benefits that he he brought to our culture but i want to make sure that the the my really scattered and poorly told history of the world doesn't overlook um the the struggles and the roles that african american women have had to uh overcome and and also just all all groups that have fought to overcome oppression it's it's part of the narrative of our history and it, it makes me really happy that i live in a time where people are treated more fairly and more equally even though it's still not exactly it's not right and there's still a lot of work to be done um because there's still because there still is prejudice in the world but it it does make me happy that like we're definitely further along than even 50 years ago and that's for um uh, black men women women in general and now the latino american is you know having their own struggle but it it's not like i think you know even even several decades ago of, 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 of crazy injustice but although it's still there it certainly still exists those are definitely some uh, valid points you got there, Will. Uh, yeah, kind of just hit, hitting on, I don't think you use this term like explicitly, but it is kind of just like the stepping stone uh, on our way to MLK. But a movie that I saw a couple times uh, last year was uh, the 20, I think it was 2016 film Hidden Figures uh, about, it was... Uh, keying in on the lives of three, um, three black women who um, worked in NASA during the uh, Project Mercury, uh, as the United States was basically preparing to launch uh, the first astronauts into space, um, and it yeah the movie like hones in on the time where uh, three of these women were you know basically behind the scenes not only in the sense that like NASA, like the astronauts were in the limelight, you know, in the spotlight for, you know, the TV cameras to see. Uh, and like the, the mathematicians were obviously behind the scenes, but the fact that these, these were not only were they women, but they were African American women who were absolutely brilliant and like instrumental in bringing 
uh, you know, in the movie, we see John Glenn going into uh, an or- you know his orbits around space for the f- as the first American to do so. Um, yeah, just that there's an incredible uh, rich history in America that uh, m- you know movies like these kind of as you were saying like we're we're further along in the sense that we're able to recognize like the value um in the you know the different races and in uh both men and women in our in our heritage and our culture uh so it's really important to do that and um yeah just um within the past several months uh it's it's definitely been a very uh beneficial journey an eye-opening journey of studying the 1960s and in particular uh some of the things that martin luther king jr was involved in um yeah i think the the most uh you know specific period of time was uh when he was dedicated to the the campaign in in selma alabama focused on the basically the, the voting rights of uh black citizens um in the south and basically how there was, even though that there had been passed, uh, I believe the, I think it was the year before, um, like ba- basically by that time that there was, there were laws in place federally that uh, made like discrimination, you know, you could like illegal, but that in the South, there were still like local authorities who were doing the best of their ability to keep things segregated and keep things, uh, you know, you know objectively completely unfair but they were it was you know it was it was a systemic issue um but yeah it took it took a reverend um <laughs> and a, a bunch of his you know loyal companions to stand up to the injustice that they saw and you know one of their strategies was get like by by peaceably stand, standing against the you know the uh, you know, the local authorities on a certain issue. Then when, then when the, the TV cameras were rolling and people all throughout the nation were able to see, uh, you know, the local police officers like beating black citizens, you know, both men and women. And I think, and sometimes children too, um, people around the nation of all, you know, uh, backgrounds and, and races were able to identify that there was something, it wasn't just, um, I think it was, uh, president, uh, Lyndon Johnson who said at one point, um, you know, in a nationwide spe- speech, uh, you know, this, this isn't a, this isn't a Southern problem. This isn't a, a black problem. This is an American problem. Uh, something along those lines that, yeah, b- basically like Martin Luther King and, uh, James Bavel and, and a few, and a few others were, just really um dedicated to you know they were putting their lives in danger um you know some of them were were you know among the the individuals who were you know who were beaten uh because they were standing up for something that was good and that was ended up paving a way for justice uh in our nation that actually reminds me of something that we talked about on the last podcast um where it wasn't so much that it was, and this is the point that Dr. Motor makes, um, but I, it's something that I've, I've known, but she really articulates it well in her paper, that it's not so much that God is punishing Jesus, but because um, actually I think the open theist camp 
really hones in on this aspect of God suffering with us. But um, she articulates it as like that the, the Trinity suffers in that moment because you can't separate God from God's self, you know? So even Jesus's death, like is, is God suffering, right? And the, then the, the father, you could say, I, I don't think she would say. So like God in heaven, Yahweh and the Holy spirit, like depending on how you argue it, the, the mother and father attributes, right. Of, of God who, you know, is the Trinity suffers with, um, Christ in, in that moment. And so I was kind of like reiterating that idea from her paper and she inserted that like it's 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 because the people rejected him right so god's best plan and i and i her point of clarification is to say like god's best plan is to send jesus to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven and and lead us into the new jerusalem through humility and acts of kindness love miracle breaking a few you know laws you know like by eating on the sabbath and not washing his hands you know and showing us like the way is love not these you know rules and regulations um which is good but it's similar in form you know martin luther king going to selma and saying the kingdom of heaven is like this it's black people, white people coming together and saying, hey, we have a right to be heard to control the powers that control us or to decide what powers control us, right, with the right to vote. It's very important. And, uh, you know, it, you know, if you, if you live in um, a democracy or republic, whatever, like we do, right? So, and they killed him for it. Right. Like that's the same story as that as the kingdom of God enters and approaches um, more clearly, the powers that be fight violently against it. And it's and, and Martin Luther King and his following and the, the way of peace and love is no exception to that. And um, and we live in the wake of it. You know, we live in the benefits of it. Um we're well, we're both sitting here, you know, we're, you know, white males. So what's the benefit to to me, right? Like I didn't gain access to vote, you know? So what did I gain? And what did that's what you have to realize is what you gained in all of this not being part of the oppressed people. I mean, you gained access to a community of people that can enrich your life with their culture, with their their own friendship and love. And there there's nothing, you know, because of Martin Luther King showing us th- that way, um, we're, we're able to love more freely a group of people that our, our grandparents hated for no reason or, or maybe they were afraid of for no reason. And, and so, you know, that his voice if you hear it, it speaks to all of us just as revelation does, you know, and, and that's awesome. Cause that's a great contribution 
uh, and there's been plenty of other examples throughout history and technological advances and uh, other things that people of, of color have been able to provide for for others. And they should be recognized for their great accomplishments and the, the great minds that they have. And, um, you know, and, 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 and I think the, the most we can do, well, the most I can do to honor that is to honor them and to remember them and to recognize them in some small moment like this. And so, you know, I would just encourage anyone, you know, listening. I know this is kind of, um, it was kind of weird with the microphone breaking. I don't know about the continuity of thought in this episode. And I'm sorry if I rambled a little bit, but you know what? I just want to thank everybody for listening. And Mark, do you have any last thoughts? Oh, yeah. When you were saying of how we gained access to these like these communities of people to enrich our lives that it goes you know I, I see it as something parallel as like when we learn another language we gain access to like a community of sorts you know sometimes it's like a very cut and dry like oh I'm gaining access to uh, you know the Hispanic community like I can speak with someone in, in their native tongue if they don't know English um, or if it's a language spoken like across many nations you're able to like you know insert yourself into that culture um and like as you but it's not only just like the language or the culture itself it's like essentially a community of people um and that language like by definition i mean of course you can like you can study language from a book or you can you know reading is obviously you know plenty fun uh but language, like, really, you know, at the core is me- is just communication between people and between communities. Uh, so as you're learning languages and as you're interacting with people and people of all of all sorts, you know, uh, from from different types of communities, that your life is being enriched. You know, as we've been, uh, I guess, hitting on different aspects of that, um, and that like when Martin Luther King was uh, going about his, uh, you know, civil rights activities and like raising awareness that his, his motive was the love of God and that he recognized that any, any person who was, you know, currently uh, believing like the, the racist ideology of the day that they, they too could be, uh, change or that their their hearts could receive God's love and like you know make those conscious decisions to to change the voting laws to change the the way that their town did business and letting everyone you know eat from the same lunch counter or uh you know ride on the same bus together in whatever seat that they wanted so uh you know life is about community life is about people uh expressing themselves in you know the different languages that they speak and there's such a a diversity and a, a richness and beauty to to it all that's that's really the key and i and i wanted to you know just make clear that like i think we can look at it as like there's this whole cancel culture and and this whole like uh, of like oh cultural appropriation and stuff and you know one of the beauties of life is sharing 
who you are and what you do with other people. And being able to insert yourself into a community through language or share an experience because racial hostilities have diminished, if not ceased in your own uh, local, you know, uh, circle your local group of friends or whatever like it's not like I, I, I worry that like people will hear this and be like oh yeah you know these two white guys are like allowing black people to share it's like no you know like I'm honored to to know more about someone's life regardless of their race it just happens that when people have different racial identities, they have a different cultural experience. And I benefit from that. And I hope that they would care enough about me so that I could share something of my own. And um, so I just want to make sure that, you know, that's clear and that to, to limit yourself and to limit other people in the shared experience of culture, language, and um, is, I don't know. I I, I want to thank Mark Miller again for being back on the show after all these years. They've they've passed like months. Uh, so thanks again, everyone. Uh, this has been your host, William Carroll, and Mark Miller. Have a great week.